Hey, welcome to Arts Ford MKE. I'm Lindsay Sheridan, and today I'm joined by co-host Esteban Contreras. Hello, hello. So normally on this show each week, I interview one arts leader, and I ask them questions about early arts experiences that sparked a love of the arts and their Milwaukee origin story. But today we turn those questions to the Imagine MKE staff. Um, and so you're going to get to hear from everyone on staff and learn more about their early arts experiences and what inspires them to do their work here at Imagine. But before we dive into our first interview, let's check in with Esteban. Hey, Esteban, thanks for joining me for this episode. Hey, no problem, Lindsay. It was a really interesting learning experience. Um, and just to give context to our listeners, throughout the episode, you'll hear Lindsay and I trading off on interviewing our staff members. Awesome. And I should have mentioned, Esteban is new to the team. So he started in September and he's a public ally. He's a second year fellow. And here he's doing work on communications and network development. So we're really excited to have him join the team. And this is a good way for, for you all out there in the universe, in the Imagine MKE universe, <laughs> to learn about him. So if you happen to be listening to this on the day the episode comes out, which is Christmas Eve, you if you celebrate, you might be feeling pretty festive in a Christmassy spirit. So we wanted to honor that and start off with just some holiday themed whimsy, reflect back on the holidays of our youth and <laughs> uh, share some quick fire favorite holiday things. So Esteban, what's a favorite holiday tradition that you think about this time of year? When I was growing up uh, here in Milwaukee, my parents would always take me to Candy Cane Lane. Have you gone there? Ooh, where is that? Uh, I believe it's in West Ellis, maybe like around the 90s, yes. 90s street around there. You know, I haven't been in recent memory, but um, growing up, I lived in Madison, but my grandma lived mm. in West Dallas. Yeah. So when we would come visit her and we would we would go there. Yeah. 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 It was always such a cute time. Um, and I'm really impressed that people in, the, in that neighborhood are really committed to, you know, <laughs> being... You know, putting on uh, such a such a light show for everyone, so it's really it's really beautiful. What about you, Lindsay? What's your favorite tradition? Um, well, I've always enjoyed my family. My immediate family is pretty small. We have a bigger extended family that we we always go and visit on Christmas, not this year, but in normal times. Um, but on Christmas Eve, um, our more immediate family has always uh, opened presents on that night, mm -hmm. had a fire in the fireplace, and just had snacks and drinks and whatnot. And I. I appreciate the coziness of that. I know families have different traditions about when they open gifts and whatnot, but I've always enjoyed that we get them a little early than Christmas yep. day and that we get to do it in like a cozy nighttime environment. <laughs> so yeah, my family's also one that opens presents at midnight on Christmas Eve. Oh, um, at midnight. Oh, that's exciting. You got to stay up late. Yeah. You got to stay up late to get your presents. That, that was a rule, honestly. Otherwise you had to wait till morning. <laughs> But you're right. It does feel really cozy doing it at night. Um, something different about it. What about a favorite song? I mean, there are so many to choose from. It's tough. There's almost too many to choose from. Um, I got to be honest, whenever I hear the song, I got to stop what I'm doing and hum along, sing along. All About for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Oh, there you go. You know, yep. she's, she's in her ultimate prime during this time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sucker for some of this like slower, more beautiful ballad type songs like Oh Holy Night, Silent Night, anything that has a night in the, in the title. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up going to uh, Christmas Mass 
And some of those choir songs yeah. are, are, are real bangers. Oh yeah. I do kind yeah. of miss those. Yeah. Well, and, uh, I wanted to come up with something like slightly more, uh, intellectual to answer that question because I spent so many years working for a choir and when you not that I was doing the programming but like when you have to program a Christmas concert every year and try and have some variety actually there's like there's a whole world of Christmas music that is not Mm -hmm. the first tier like things you hear on the radio that is still very beautiful and and meaningful uh so spent a lot of time around choirs at Christmas so that's also a favorite a favorite tradition too what about food? Favorite food? Holiday times? I mean, for me, this food is for any holiday. I'll I'll eat it. But um, especially around around Christmas time, I just love eating tamales because, mm. in my experience, they they don't go wrong. Like my aunt and my mom have never made bad tamales, except for that. Except there was one time my cousins helped make them and they kind of exploded. But how'd they explode? <laughs> You, if you if you stuff them too much, oh sure, um, there's not enough masa to enclose them. But yeah. I mean, it's still good. You get some some meaty, gooey tamales on your plate, so it's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> what foods do you think of around this time? I don't really have an exciting answer for this, but I think about some of the Christmas cookies that we would make every year mm-hmm. when I was younger. Yes, and some of them are recipes that like for sure we would not be as inclined to make now like there was one we would make that was using like cranberry orange muffin mix and somehow you combine things so that it turns into cookie form instead um and i feel like now both my mom and i would be more inclined to use like cook bake from scratch you know right yeah like not buy a mix but somehow like that's the stuff that stands out in my and my little kid memories of making Christmas cookies. Yeah. If you're celebrating today, dear listener, have a wonderful time. Thanks for listening to us while you cook your holiday dinner. If that's what you're doing, we're honored you chose the Imagine of Gay staff to accompany you in that. And uh, we'll see you again in the new year. See you soon. So first up today, I have with me David Lee, CEO of Imagine MKE. And David, first up, do you remember a time early in life that you experienced art in a way that stuck with you and impacted you deeply? First of all, thanks for having us on your amazing podcast, Lindsay. Oh, no problem. Thank you for being here. (laughs) There have been a couple of experiences that, that sort of popped to mind. I think um, I basically grew up in movie theaters. Mm. And so I think, you know, being able to like see and watch movies in Chinatown and it got to show me that people who look like me deserve to be on screen. And I think that has been um, sort of a really early formative experience. My parents um, also took me to the Chinese opera in San Francisco. So sort of seeing very like rigid performance on stage was just, I think, really formative as well. Um, And then when my parents finally had enough money to move out of Chinatown, uh, we moved to the Richmond in San Francisco, which is the the neighborhood where uh, all up and coming, basically everybody lives, right? And, um, or all the the 
Chinese folks worth their salt live. My mom, because she wanted to be close to where I was going to elementary school, opened a gift shop um, right by our apartment. And there was a movie theater at that corner. And so I basically spent every summer in the movie theater on the corner because it was the closest place that she could send me that I was out of her hair, but she knew where I was. Um, yeah. So I remember just watching a whole bunch of movies uh, growing up. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like just the, the wonder, I, I think, that, that, that was um, sort of inspired by, by all of the movies that, that I watched as a kid growing up. Uh, not any one in particular, but just like all of them and as an amalgam, as, as a kid uh, being sort of inspired by, by a film. Do you think your parents already had a, a strong interest in film or did it start off as an easy way to keep a kid entertained? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that, I think the latter, but I, I will note that like my dad, uh, before he met my mom and, and they had me and decided to, to come to America, he wanted to be a TV, he wanted to be an actor. Um, and had gone to acting school in Hong Kong and actually studied uh, in the like television training program um, in Hong Kong. And I, yeah, I, I had not actually known this until much later in life um, after I had sort of unknowingly kind of completed my dad's journey in becoming a, 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 an actor and writer-director kind of guy. My dad actually was like on the trajectory of becoming a TV star in Hong Kong. And then he decided to want to come to America to, to study in American colleges, missed the, the testing score to be able to get into an American university. And so got into the best university in Taiwan, which is where he met my mom. And then everything sort of like fell into place. Right. And, and um, a funny story about my dad and, and my arts and culture experience. I think he, my first ever audition um, was for The King and I in San Francisco. I would, must have been in elementary school. I had no context for what it meant to be an actor or a singer. I still can't sing. You have to sing for that audition. And my dad was like, hey, David, you're going to go with me to this audition and you're going to audition to be one of the, the, the kids in the, in the show. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, I have no interest in this. And I show up the audition there are a whole bunch of kids who know who know how to like sing and dance and there I am little David I have no song prepared and the accompanist this is what song are you gonna sing and I'm like I don't know I don't sing <laughs> and the the accompanist like gives me the hardest song to sing which is happy birthday <laughs> right happy birthday is actually a pretty hard hard song to sing he's like you know the words just sing it and um didn't get the role and totally, totally embarrassed by it. Um, who, who, who would know that, that uh, a couple years later I would end up in a performing arts high school in the, in the acting program? Did I ever tell you that I was in the Kenyan Eye? No. <laughs> that was one of my first auditions too. You, but, but you apparently but got, I got in. in. You got in. Well, I was in third grade and this was in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. So you know that the actual number of Asian kids in this production was probably like two. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a bunch of white kids. And um, if your hair wasn't dark enough, they dyed it black for the duration of the show. But my hair was dark enough. So I did not have to dye my hair. <laughs> um, and the king was this, uh, this- Is this a John the Price situation? Do, do we need to like retroactively protest this show? I mean, I don't know. 
it's 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 definitely problematic, no doubt. No doubt. But surely Sun Prairie Civic Theater is not the only school or not the only uh, community theater in predominantly white suburbs that's <laughs> choosing to do the King and I. Or even any major theater. Yeah. <laughs> King and I, by the way. Right. And the guy that the guy that played the king was somehow independently wealthy or independently stable enough that he had made a life for himself out of traveling to community theaters and playing the king in oh, productions. Wow. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I think he must have just shown up at auditions and been like, "Look, I've played the king like forty <laughs> times, so <laughs> you should choose me." And sure enough, and then he would just kind of post up in that suburban town for a while for the duration of the show oh wow you know it it occurs to me just sort of telling you the story about my dad uh sort of not getting into american university and then having to go to to taiwan university where he met my mom um similarly the only reason why i ended up in um the ruthazawa san francisco school of the arts you can get lovely stamps uh based on ruth's uh incredible wire sculptures now is because I actually missed the um, the testing requirement to get into the Magnet Academic School in San Francisco by, uh, I think, two points for uh, the testing standard for Asians was higher than it was for for white kids, and so I I'm smart I was smart enough to get in to be a white kid, but I wasn't smart enough to get in to be a Chinese kid, and so my my dad I think recognizing this in his former story it was like you you have this opportunity to go to this art school. Uh, what do you think? Um, and that was the second time my dad twisted my arm to to do an audition and got in and, and quite literally changed my life. Um, it gave me just, um, I think I, I may have, I may have talked about this, just, just a different way of looking at the world and a different way of, of showing up and thinking about life. And, and here we are. So hmm. this is what happens when you follow your nose, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. So tell us more about how you came to Milwaukee. Uh, what got you here and what has made you stay? How long have you been here? Yeah, so um, my wife and I moved here in 2010. So we've been here for now for about 10 years. Um, we moved here from Los Angeles. I was, uh, my wife was out there getting her PhD in psychology and I was out there trying to make it as a, as an actor, writer, director guy. And, um, I was just on the verge of what seemed like, you know, actually making it after, after eight or nine years, or at least, um, sort of lining up a bunch of new opportunities to, to, to potentially make it. I just optioned, uh, a, a television show and, um, had been sort of building up my my spec scripts for TV scripts um, for TV shows, um, and um, my wife sort of came to me one day and was like, "I want to be closer to home." She grew up in on a farm in central Wisconsin, um, and um, that was a a lot of back and forth about whether or not we would we would actually move, and and we ended up. Um, she got a job at uh, the AIDS Resource Center of Wisconsin. We picked up stakes and moved. Um, and and I got to say, you know, after um, after a few years here, I actually, well, now I can't imagine living anywhere else. Um, but even after a few years here, it just seemed so insane 
to live anywhere else because life is really manageable here. You have all of the amenities of any major American city. Um, and, uh, you can go when, when there's no coronavirus, you can, you know, drive Mm -hmm. downtown to go to the gym, um, which in any other city you would, that would be crazy, right. To, Mm -hmm. to be like, Oh, I'm just gonna go downtown and like, you know, (laughs) just do normal life. Yeah, Yeah. Do normal life. That's right. That's right. I mean, we, we lived in West Hollywood um, in, in, in L.A., and Tammy was, we were eight miles away from UCLA, and it took her about an hour and 15 minutes one way to get from where we lived to, to school, um, which seems, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, an hour and 15 minutes, you get to Madison, right, or close to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. Yeah. So that's how you came to Milwaukee. And you've been now you've been here for a while and and been through jobs that took you away from Milwaukee yeah. <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. Um, what makes you excited about, you know, not just this role, but also pandemic aside, <laughs> being in a being in a position now where you get to focus your energies on being here full time? That's a that's a great question. You know, um having lived here for 10 years and having spent nine of those years basically working in different places, um, you know, for five, four or five, I was working in Chicago and DC. And for the other four, I was in Madison. And so I think what, what's been really great about this role has been um, really connecting, feeling connected to the city that I live in, or I have lived in now for 10 years and have really come to love as a second home. I think being able to, to get to know the, just the really great people that make this city what it is has been just a, a real bonus. Um, and I, I, I almost feel like in this last year, even pandemic aside even, uh, it's almost like rediscovering um, Milwaukee. Um, as someone who's lived here for quite a while, like being able to almost rediscover the ballet, rediscover the rep, rediscover the, some of the smaller arts organizations and some of the, the individual artists um, and creatives, particularly, I think, through the, through the Artist Relief Fund, being able to like, actually see and experience and listen to um, the, the great creative work that, has been, that was submitted to us through the application process was just, um, I think, really inspiring and, and really gave me great hope for the future of our city. Well, thanks, David. Thank you for giving us a a bit of a taste of your background and what led you here. Someday and soon, I'll have you back on to talk about what you hope for the future of Milwaukee. I can't wait. I love the show, by the way, Lindsay. Big fan. Oh, thank you. <laughs> We've had some great guests on so far. It's been really fantastic. And yeah, now we're... it's been really it's been really really fun to listen to. I am here with the one and only Antoine Carter, Director of Neighborhood Partnerships here at Imagine MKE. How you doing, Antoine? I'm doing, go- I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How about you, Esper? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, thanks for joining me on Lindsay's podcast. <laughs> Hi, Jax. <laughs> yep. Uh, so we're just sharing, the staff is sharing some stories about themselves to allow our listeners to get to know us a bit more. So let's go on into that. So Antoine... Can you tell me about a time early in life that you experienced art in a way that impacted you deeply or that stuck with you? 
I guess I'll tell you some a little story that not too many people know about me. So growing up in uh, my neighborhood, experiencing music, there was just a certain type of music that people listened to. It was mostly like hip hop, mostly a lot of gangster rap. And it was it was just a lot of different versions of that. And uh, at this time, I was a, a, a 12, 13 year old. And this was right during the time of TRL. God bless TRL. It was able to uh, expand my music palette. Like I already listened to like old school stuff and like kind of different stuff. The stuff that my mom listened to, but never really been able to find things that sound different and been able to explore it. So this was also me first getting cable too. So I think cable television, I was able to just like, learn about artists like Moby and uh, and listen to like Corn and Limp Biscuit. And although my friends in the neighborhood was like, man, you listening to some weird stuff, I was still just able to just find my own wave. So I think getting cable, <laughs> getting cable was my first awesome memory of arts and culture because it definitely expanded my musical taste. Yeah, for sure. Um, was that TRL on MTV? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. I remember that, kind of. <laughs> like, they had a lot of, like, NSYNC and Britney Spears type stuff, but they also yeah. had some, like, dude, it was a song called, like, Blue Monday. Now it was a cool song. I, like, remember all these random songs from TRL. Yeah. yeah, back when MTV actually, you know, promoted music. Man, the good old days, right? <laughs> the good old days. Yeah. Speaking of good old days, uh, can you tell us a bit about your Milwaukee origin story? So I am born and raised here. Um, the, so my grandma came from like Mississippi during the Great Migration, but my um, all my brothers, well, I don't have any brothers and sisters. All my mom's brothers and sisters are all from here. And we had kids. Um, I grew up on the north side um, and also the east side with this kind of duality. I was bussed out to um, Milwaukee Spanish Immersion. So I went there as a little kid and kind of took Spanish from probably kindergarten to like 10th grade. Um, I went to colleges here, MATC, Cardinal Stritch, Brian and Stratton. And I'm just a city kid who, um, man, learned how to play the trumpet in middle school. That's a random fact about me. I learned how to play the trumpet and then switched to the clarinet because they had a lot of trumpets and they needed a clarinet. And it was the same music. I think for me lately in my journey, visual art has been more like, I think before um, as a youngster, I was probably more interested in performance art. So like, whether it was music or dance or, I don't know, live action gymnastic stunts. <laughs> but um, I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten more into the visual art part, which is probably not how most people start. They usually, I would probably assume, but that's that's my journey. So in the past sort of five or six years, especially traveling more, um, being able to check out the different art 
has always been something that I used to really stop and do and didn't really know why. It just appeased to me, just made me feel good. And uh, so that appreciation of art has always been there. I think uh, I think now I'm just in a position growing where we try to help out the next little Antoine in the mm-hmm. neighborhood mm-hmm. and get him inspired to to think differently and openly and expand what he or she or they think they can do. Yeah, definitely. I hear that. What do you think has kept you in Milwaukee or how do you see Milwaukee as like a, as a a place to nurture that sort of creativity and thinking? I think uh, for me, I've seen a lot of people leave Milwaukee and I am stubborn. That's probably uh, one of the main things. Also, I think uh, for me, being able to to improve the the space that I used to uh, used to see as a young person, I think that tempts me more. Like uh, anyone can go to a whole new city and change some other thing that they never really was a part of or had history with, but I really like looking through my city and seeing ways that I've improved it or ways that my work has, has impacted um, a, a space or a place or a person for the better. And I know that that's needed in my city, my hometown. And so I take that very, uh, I take that to heart. So I'm a hometown kid. He just loves his city, man. And even when I travel, like uh, when I go to like conferences and stuff, I make sure to represent Milwaukee. I make sure that they know that I am from Milwaukee and that Milwaukee, Milwaukee don't play it's like a like a honey badger. Yeah, I'm the same way. I gotta I gotta always represent Milwaukee somehow when I'm traveling mm-hmm. everywhere. And uh, yeah, I know you're doing the work. You're doing awesome work here. So thanks for joining us, Antoine. Sweet. Thank you, man. Good talking to you. Good talking to you. I have with me here Mac Antigua. Or do you prefer MacArthur in in informal introduction? Uh, uh, Informal, I like to go MacArthur and then we work our way to Mac. But that's honestly, it's because people would call me Matt. And and so when I'd start Mm -hmm. MacArthur, then you can go to Mac without people going to Mark or Matt. Right. Right. That's all. That's I share my peccadillos with everyone. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Good. Well, Ford MK audience, you know what to call me now. Let's get that right and proper then. I have with me here today, MacArthur Antigua, Hello. Senior Director of Collective hey, Impact. Lindsay, you can call me Mac. It's fine. You can oh, thank you. Mac. I'm glad. Right. We, I'm really glad we've made it to that point we, we in our it. relationship. We yeah. did it. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. Really thrilled to have the staff on today to share with our audience more about your personal artistic background and what got you to Milwaukee. Uh, So we'll start off with the question of, do you remember a time early in life that you experienced art in a way that impacted you deeply, that stuck with you? Uh, So it was, I was like struggling to think about field trips, right? And like all these different things. But like once I like let all that go and I just try to think like what resonated deeply, it was staying up late on Sunday nights watching WTTW, I grew up in Chicago, 
and watching whose line is it anyway was imported mm. from England because mm. that's the improvisational show. And I remember like watching that as like a junior high student going like, what is this? <laughs> like, this is so cool. Like I'd watch Monty Python. I watched a lot of Saturday Night Live. So I watch comedy, but to see people created on the fly was, it was just like, and it was like, I was watching late at night. So it felt like my little secret, like nobody else in school really watched it. So, um, and then I, I tie that to going, I ended up going to undergrad at Northwestern. And I remember new student week, you would go to different orientations. They don't do that with the pandemic anymore, but right. You'd, you'd visit like, you know, different buildings and try to get the lay of the land and they have to do programming at night. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so one of the programming was the on-campus uh, improvisational group did a show. And so all of us freshmen are there watching it. And I, and I was just like, oh my gosh, it's happening again. Now I'm seeing it live in person. Like I never thought you could see it live in person. And it's like, here's a group on campus that does it. And it was, I was just like, oh, it's, this is real. <laughs> you know, like it was only, I'd only seen it five, six years ago. And now I'm finally in person, even though like and- living... You yeah, know, in the suburbs. I, it was accessible. I just didn't know, but like, right. here I was. And well, your own age, not just yeah, like that's right. Middle aged well, people. Or I was a freshman in college, but those people felt like gods to me. You know, seeing them <laughs> do it on stage, you know, like crushing it. And I, I remember the people. It's like Paul Valiant Court, Gene Villapique, Ed Herbspin, Jason Weiner. These are people that have gotten careers to, in Hollywood. Right. Like, cause this was the, um, the ensemble is called the meow show. And that was the sort of campus show that like have had people through the years, you know, and I'm sure in that same freshman class, there was a young Seth Myers who thought the same thing as I did. Cause he actually made the ensemble. I, I remember I auditioned and, you know, it's the kind of thing where like, like 500 people auditioned and like, maybe like I got the call back and I thought that was super cool. Um, but, uh, you know, and so that, that was, I, that's where I got a taste of it. And, um, you know, after watching it on TV and then seeing it on campus and then actually four years, three years later as a senior, I sort of gave up on it. And, and someone else on campus, some young freshman was like, I'm starting an improv group. And I remember I saw the fly. It was like literally like the flyers on the ground, you know, as I'm walking and I'm like looking at it and going, huh, let me check this out. And um, got through your uh, maybe cynical senior that's like, whatever, I never made it. Like, yeah, no, no you're <laughs> right. No, you're right. Let's like, I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. You know, right, right. It's like, uh, but there's something about it that like, I loved it. You know, like, there was a part of me like, well, I, I don't want to not try it. I'm going mm-hmm. to try. And, and so this, it was called Titanic, the Titanic players. And it was literally like these two freshmen that were starting these upstarts, like, we're going to do this. And so I auditioned. I was probably one of the oldest people auditioning because I'm sure they're like, what are we doing here? Like, it's like we're in the basement of this dorm. But it was, it was so pure, right? I wanted to try and I auditioned for it and I got in. And we were a group of all freshmen pretty much, except for me and, and this other junior. There's another junior. And again, this group, the Meow Show was like the big dog on campus. And so we would do all the gigs they wouldn't do. Like, hello, Spanish club. Hola, we'll do your show. Like, we did like, anything they didn't do. And we had to figure like, we had to do something different because these guys are the Titans of doing short form. And so one of the people on our team, she was a freshman, 
Her name is Liz, Liz Kakowski. And she said, well, my brother's at Improv Olympic and he does long form. I could bring him to teach us that. And so Craig Kakowski uh, came. And if, you, if you're a comedy nerd, he's been on Drunk History. He's been on NBC's Community as one of the police officers. He's like, done the work he taught us the herald uh which was the form del close created at io so that was our innovation you can do the short stuff we're gonna do 30 minutes based on a suggestion um and uh yeah so for the rest of that year we would just hustle and work and the irony of it all if you will is that was uh 20 years ago 25 years ago that ensemble would persist and later within 10 years the folks who were on that ensemble would later run that established a group on campus and Liz would actually later write for SNL and yeah it, it, so yeah it was to your point like I was so glad I got over myself a little bit because I would have <laughs> missed that opportunity and and for me why I mentioned improv is it's informed a lot of my life in terms mm -hmm. of worldview in terms of how I approach my work this notion of co-creation together the notion of the group mind the notion of saying yes and being in the moment and being present um, I think I'm a better human being when able to apply the lessons of that. And I think when you, when you offered that question, well, what was a really powerful experience? It was, you know, being an eighth grader watching these British people make up stuff on the spot. And there's something in me that awoke and awoke. I was like, I want to do that. And, uh, thank God. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. The, uh, the improv troupe on my college campus was called Top Banana. And uh, that sounds right. That sounds yep. right. That's, <laughs> yep, that's, that's right. right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's what they were called. And they were funny. But you know, one of my great college prides was being part of an alternative string group called Strains, which, you know, set out to beat the likes of Top Banana at, uh, at our <laughs> talent shows. Yes. Like, okay, that's all right. But we've got a good product too. <laughs> Is that fun? Like the 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 world of like on campus performance, like you know, like so serious. Mattered. It, it mattered. That stuff mattered, right? Like we're gonna beat them at the thing. Yeah, for sure. What great yeah. passion, though. I mean, your uh, performance is it at Spanish Club, for example. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure now it kind of feels like, oh God, we did that, but it well, it mattered. It was I later as an you know as I you know. I connected, I say connected because again, I grew up with those guys. And like, so the founder of that, we, we're still close friends or we say connected and he would start ensembles at different colleges. And so when I lived in Minnesota, I, I agreed to coach the Minnesota where you, where you picked up the Minnesota accent. I did. I just did that right there. So we had an ensemble at university of Minnesota and twin cities. And so I taught the Herald to those who, who they were great. And, and what I, and then I later when I relocated here to Milwaukee, We'll get to that question in a second. I worked with the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee students and we did Herald together. And so what I found is like, what's really powerful working with college students is that they want to believe in the magic. Like the, the, all the mystical stuff of improv, like they're all in on. Yeah. And to your point, because like this stuff matters. Right? Like the, these stakes aren't like huge, but like, it's really what I, what I, I taught improv to adults, like professional adults, people who've had careers. And some of the things is for them to unlearn Mm. A lot of things or, or like just be playful is that that is the quest for them. But I found for college students in a lot of ways, the, the easy part actually is the being willing to play and believe the, the hard part is actually having folks trust their truth and trust themselves. Because again, a lot of times college students are figuring that out. You know, they are building their own narrative. 
mm-hmm. you know, trying things on. And so sometimes for me doing really meaningful, like good improv is really about ta- tapping into truth. And so for a lot of young people, they're still figuring out what their truth is. So that, that's actually the harder part where when you work with adults who, who are more established, that's the stuff they can tap, when they can tap into that, they, they become really awesome. It's just being playful. So, so yeah, college students are great. They're, they're great. Capturing that magic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So as you mentioned, you grew up in Chicago. Uh, so not from Milwaukee, but not too far. Uh, what got you here and how long have you been here? What's made it feel like home? So um, I grew up in Chicago, um, went to school at Northwestern, ended up doing my young adult professional life post-grad in Chicago, if you will. Um, and I met someone who uh, and married someone who is an academic. So that means you move where the work moves in. She, so my wife finished her PhD at Rice University, so lived in Houston mm-hmm. for a few years. And then she got her first teaching job at McAllister College. So that's hence the Minnesota reference, Minnesota. So lived in St. Paul for several years. And then uh, she got an opportunity to teach at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, which was in 2011. Uh, And that was much more her speed as a research institution. Uh, while while McAllister is much more of a teaching institution, she wanted to be at a research institution. So, and and quite candidly, uh, our both of our families are from Chicago, and that's a lot closer than the Twin Cities. Right. Although all all things being said, the Twin Cities were amazing. Even even though the winters are really tough, their attitudes are awesome mm. about it. Which which that's what I learned. Just have a good attitude; it's not as bad. Uh, but now I've been in Milwaukee since 2011, and um, don't see myself ever moving to Chicago ever again. Uh, just because every time I'm there, I'm stressed out and overwhelmed. Because <laughs> uh, I think I'm just really a little too big. I, I, yeah, I'm that. Yeah. I'm, I've become country mouse, no longer city mouse. <laughs> apparently, I'm no. I'm very fond of it. There are times where I'm very, very nostalgic or remember it. Uh, but what I really love about uh, this city is the the feeling that um, I do like the small walkie part of it. It doesn't feel like claustrophobic, even though I've been here almost nine years, uh, coming up close to 10. Um, and I think what I love about it is that um, people are really accessible here in a way, right? Like we, we see each other trying to do the work and, uh, you know, our proximity is close to each other so we can meet to do the work. I know pandemic made that difficult, but mm-hmm. I, I think what's really neat about Milwaukee is that there is uh, a willingness to connect and meet if you make the outreach and try to figure the work out. And I, that's what I really appreciate about this place. I, I think there's a, um, there is a, a uh, pride, uh, a, a maker sensibility here. Mm. When I think about, again, Harley, I think about Johnson Controls, right? Like I know that's on the brochure, the maker background, right? But there, <laughs> there, there's like pair that with like being 90 minutes away from Big Brother. <laughs> There's an edge there uh, in terms of like it's not Chicago and it's proud of not being Chicago. I think I right. think it's just a lot. Um, and it's also accessible. not the rest of of Wisconsin. Yeah, that too. Right. Um, yeah, and so I really I really love it here. Um, even though I still hold my loyalties to Chicago sports teams, um, I'm I'm to the point where I'm neutral towards the local teams. I used to hate local teams like the Packers and the Brewers. Now I'm just, uh, I'm okay with them succeeding. I'm not wishing ill on them. I'm like, well, you continue to compete. So maybe that's what's, I, I like my neighbors being happy, having civic pride, but uh, it's, it's a little too deep for me to root against 
you know, for me, what was woven in my blood. Uh, yeah, I, I think when I, when I lived in Texas, I realized how Midwestern I was um, and how, when I think Midwestern, I think there's this notion of like, I think politeness and this notion of optimism, but yet at the same time, there's this earnestness and almost, you know, to me being Midwestern is like when it's like really a really nice day like a really sunny day in February, Midwestern means like, we're going to pay for it in March. We don't deserve, like, like I visit my sister who lives in Los Angeles and I just go like, this isn't right. We shouldn't have consecutive 80 degree days that are sunny. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. To me, that's very Midwestern, right? Like there's like an, yeah, exactly. There's, there's a percentage there. There is like a number of Fahrenheit. We are allowed. It's like 9,500 and it's going to be allotted over the days. And like, not a tick more, not a tick less. And so there's something about that that really resonates with me. You it feels know? like an influence of like overwhelmingly like Catholic and Lutheran <laughs> up, so. upbringings in the Midwest, even if you weren't yourself. Like, I think so. Yeah, right. Like it was just, yeah, I, I took it on, right? I took those layers. Yeah. I, what I really liked about the Minnesota, I know this is a Milwaukee podcast, but the, the Minnesota sensibilities, they have that sort of, um, there's almost a Scandinavian common sensist sort of thing where it's less partisan, although that's changed obviously in the last 20 years. And that's something I always liked. Um, but when I'm now going back to Milwaukee, I think there's still that element of like getting it done on some mm-hmm. level because there've always been makers here or really um, resourceful folks. And I also think that also has happened when uh, I think people have been resourceful when they've been marginalized, <laughs> you know, right. And they've been left out. And that still matters, right? In terms of the underground art and the underground economies that emerged from there. And that's not to say that that's like glorifying it. It's just to acknowledge, I think there's such a resilience here. And like, wouldn't it be better if people didn't have to be so resilient and just we get folks to thriving? Um, So that being said, because given our history here in Milwaukee, I, I think now there's an urgency especially in the last couple of days, right? Like to like figure this out. This is not acceptable anymore, right? And we, we kind of joked about it, but it is real. The fact that the Milwaukee Bucks themselves are boycotting, like we're not going to play. There are much more important things going on. I think there's, there's something Milwaukee about that. There's something that's very responsible and it's very um, brave and courageous. And, and that's what I really like about this city, that, that that happens here. Well, thank you, Mac. Really lovely having you on today. Thanks for having me. All right, I am now joined by Annie Peterson, Executive Assistant and Office Coordinator here at Imagine MKE. Hey, Annie, how you doing? Hey, Esteban, I'm good, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for joining me on Lindsay's podcast. Thanks for having me, <laughs> excited to be here. So uh, we're having a really good time allowing our audience to get to know staff a bit more, you know, cause we do great work here at Imagine, but we also like to have fun doing so. So let's jump on in, Annie. Can you tell me about a time early in life that you experienced art in a way that impacted you deeply or that stuck with you? Yeah. So I would love for my, my true answer for this to be um, when I was 16 and I was in Paris. Uh, it was my first time going abroad and I was at the uh, Musée de Rodin um, and it was just really incredible. Um, I had never been, I didn't know that I could have that uh, strong of an emotional reaction to a sculpture. 
Um, and I, I really didn't know that sculpture had the power to convey like human connection uh, in such a way as Rodin did. Um, and also the museum is in his former home, which is just like an incredible experience feeling that much more connected to the artist. So that's like a, a beautiful, you know, answer with a bow around it that I would love to give you. But I really think that my true answer is um, when I was in kindergarten and I am just lining myself up to be made fun of now, but I will take it. When I was in kindergarten and I saw the musical Cats for the first time and I heard the song Memory and I just became obsessed like I was in piano lessons at the time and I refused to practice the songs I was supposed to be learning I would only play memory and I would come home from school every day and put cats in the VCR and stand on the couch in the living room and sing it at the top of my lungs and my poor mother I had her like make a a uh, cat's costume for me with like the, you know, the furry leg warmers like they wore mm -hmm. in the Broadway uh, show. And I was just so captivated by that song. Um, I think that was the first time I really became like obsessed with the song. Um, and I've been an avid music lover ever since, although now it's more like folk and psych rock than, uh, than the cat soundtrack. But yeah, and that like inspired me to start voice lessons and I ended up being in choir all the way through uh, school. And yeah, I don't know what about that song really spoke to me as a kindergartner with, you know, such few memories at the ripe age of six, but it, uh, it really moved me. <laughs> wow, I love that. I love, love that. Especially as a fellow uh, Broadway stan, it's interesting that you chose Cats. Well, I guess that, uh, I have to start over. I have never seen Cats. Oh, you're missing out. Well, <laughs> it, it's, how do I say this? I mean, it's the show on Broadway that like people love to hate. Oh yes. You know? Oh yes. Have you seen the movie, Cats? I haven't seen the new one. I I heard the reviews um, about that and I didn't want to ruin this magical experience that I had. Uh, in my heart <laughs> yeah. from kindergarten. So I chose not to see, uh, you know, Judy Dench as a cat. I didn't <laughs> want her to be ruined for me either. But yeah, it's a, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to, uh, there's a lot to hate on about, <laughs> about the show. But um, I mean, as an animal obsessed kid, it was like everything I wanted. Yeah, and I'm sure it really appeals to kids, you know, dancing cats, like, that sounds awesome for a kid. And for adults, too, you know, adults love it. Um, I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's a bit unfair of me to not give it a chance. So I think after this, I'll give it a chance because of wow. you. Okay, well, I'm very curious to hear uh, your mm. thoughts. Although yeah. maybe, you know, as a future staff activity, we can watch the newer uh, film together. That actually sounds really, really fun, and I'd be glad for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Annie, thank you for sharing that beautiful story. Um, can you share with us a bit about how you kind of came to Milwaukee and kind of what keeps you around here? Yeah, um, this story always confuses people a little bit because I grew up in Minneapolis, 
Um, but my mom grew up in Milwaukee. Uh, she grew up in Tosa and her parents and siblings stayed here. So I was living, uh, I was growing up in Minneapolis, but we would come to Milwaukee um, for all of our holidays and come to visit. Um, and I, we made that drive so many times every year uh, when I was growing up. And then um, I, I don't know where I got the idea, but I was so determined when I was young to leave the Midwest and never look back. And I just, I never really gave it a fair chance. So I went away to Boston for school and my mom um, moved back to Milwaukee to be closer to her family when I did that. And then, um, so I was out East for five years and that, and that ran its course um, instead of going home to Minneapolis, um, I came to Milwaukee to crash with my mom. And uh, I just had this really cool experience of like being in a new city, um, but also have my family around me. Um, and I was, I'd never like lived that close to family before. Uh, and what was supposed to be a, just a pit stop to figure out what I was doing next uh, turned to being the most at home I have ever felt anywhere uh, and Milwaukee is just such a gem of a city. I feel like it's like the best kept secret. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Um, is there something that Milwaukee has that is maybe missing in Minneapolis or, you know, something that you found here that's just like, wow, how does no other city have this? It's a good question. Uh, I think Milwaukee has so much that's unique to it. You know, we've got this amazing lakefront that feels like, you know, you could be on the coast anywhere um, that people don't even realize it's right in our backyard. You know, we have all of the major institutions um, that any other city has. And we also have this really vibrant small arts community that's so uh, interconnected. And I think... Milwaukee, it's definitely like big enough. It's a, it's a, feels like a city, but um, it has that, that smaller community feel at the same time um, and a real sense of familiarity. And then being as close as we are to Chicago, it, um, you know, if you ever need that big city feel, you can get there in, you know, an hour and change. But it also, um, I think that's why Milwaukee is a hidden gem is because mm -hmm. <laughs> we're so close to Chicago that people take us for granted. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us, Annie. We really appreciate having you here. And um, I'll probably see you later somewhere in a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for letting me join. And uh, I'll see you real soon. So I have with me now Kanita Hickman, Director of Artist Support and Outreach. Kanita, thanks for joining me on my podcast today. Thanks for having me. So having fun inviting the team on and interested in hearing more about a time in early in life that you experienced art in a way that stuck with you. I'll give you two. So one was when I was in third grade. Um, so around age eight, I was diagnosed with an illness and uh, was in a wheelchair. And so I had to transfer schools to Gensland, which is a uh, Milwaukee public school here for like neighborhood kids, cognitively challenged kids, disabled kids. 
But um, so I went there, of course, because I was differently able physically. And my third grade teacher, Miss Hildebrand, had a writing corner in the class. And so we got to make our own books and our own stories. And I have them all saved here at my house. So yeah, I would make up my own stories. My mom really liked um, the true version, the true story of the gingerbread man. What and was, the, what was told, true? It was told from the Fox's point of view. And then I redid, you know, the series, if you give a blank a blank. And so I, um, if you get, get, give a kid a, a sandwich, um, and so in the story, it talks about how he wants a nap and then he wants a bag of chips. And so, yeah, so I, I did a lot of that. I would say the, um, and so that definitely um, sparked in me that I could be a writer and that I could write things that people liked. And then when I was around 15, so Milwaukee, Milwaukee's radio station here, um, V100, used to do something called Jam for Peace. And it was an all-day concert of, like, A-list artists from, like, noon to 10 p.m. And um, I was writing for a national team publication um, based out of Milwaukee. And we got press passes to go backstage to Ooh, Jam cool. for Peace. So this was, the, like, the first time I'd been around celebrities and, like, could touch them. So I where, was the, uh, where was the festival? Marcus Amphitheater. Okay, cool. So Marcus Amphitheater and... Um, they did this for like at least 10 years. So Nelly was there that year. Um, and so I remember taking pictures with him and getting autographed pictures from folks, but I was also there with my microphone and interviewing <laughs> people. Yeah. So I think those two, those two moments for me were two art moments that really stand out. That's pretty awesome. I can imagine being a teenager and that's a pretty significant stage in Milwaukee to be to be behind the scenes and meeting people that famous. Yes. I'm sure you literally literal stars in your eyes. <laughs> I did. Little Kanita definitely had stars in her eyes and I thought I was super cute. I wore overalls. Um, <laughs> that because I was like, I'm a professional. So I'm just, I'm just here to work. I'm not here to get attention. So yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was exciting. And like I said, the first time that I really gotten to cover a major event um, and that made it real for me that you could be in Milwaukee and um, do cool things. Mm, I love it. So your Milwaukee origin story is that you are from here. Um, yes. Talk about that. Talk about what made you stay? Talk about what you love about Milwaukee and, and maybe the things you don't love too. Yeah, so I'm a Milwaukee girl, born and raised. Um, my father uh, migrated here from uh, Louisville, Mississippi. Mm. And my mom came here actually from Kenosha. So she's mm. a Kenosha girl. Um, so yeah, Milwaukee girl, north side of Milwaukee my entire life even right now in this moment as we're doing this interview, now I live on the east side and I'm like, holy cow, I have to reroute my whole life because everything <laughs> I do is like on capital and your North mental map. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I had to find a new mechanic. I got to find a new dry cleaners. But yeah, so I, I actually was somebody who wanted to leave Milwaukee. My plan was to go to Howard University mm. um, because I'd done my research and this was the best. Howard was the best um, HBCU that also had a journalism program. Sure. And so 
I was gearing up to go to Howard. Um, my plan was to then work for MTV, work for BET. I wanted to be the black girl Carson Daly. So I was just, <laughs> I, you know, he worked in radio. And so I was going to do it all. And uh, I was at Ponderosa with my mom. And I was telling her my plan. This was like 16, 17-year-old Kanita. Yep. yep. I'm telling her I'm going to Howard. Um, and she said, well, what about your doctors? What are you going to do about your doctors? You're, mm. You have these illnesses. You're on this medication. And I said, I stopped taking my medication three years ago. She had so no idea. <laughs> I was counting pills. <laughs> so I knew when to say I needed a refill. Um, mm. And she said, so now you're actually going to UWM. And that was I'm keeping you close now. <laughs> what what have you been doing? And no, you're staying close. <laughs> and she definitely wanted to know the science behind. Well, how have you accomplished this for years? And then she informed me. Mm. She's like, we knew something was going on because your blood work was crazy. We just couldn't figure out what it was. And you kept telling us you were taking your medicine. And I kept seeing the pills were disappearing. So I believed you. So that kind of dashed that dream. So I tried to get involved in everything media related here so I interned at three different stations here went back and worked at one of those stations as on-air talent I think after a while I just recognized when people with talent leave um it kind of leaves a hole Mm -hmm. that can't be filled Mm -hmm. and so what happens if I leave and take my talents and am not able to help folks coming behind me um And then now my perspective is Milwaukee is home. Milwaukee will always be home for me. Here's the thing. You can, you are no more than one person away from the person who can make the decision or the person who can get you to the person who can make the decision. Small walkie for better or worse, right? Yeah. And so, (laughs) I mean, the work that we're doing here, whether it's Imagine MKE or the work that I do with my company looks incredibly different if I'm in Atlanta or in Chicago. Um, But also cost of living is still really good here, right? Mm -hmm. And if I need to take an international flight and can't get a direct flight out of Milwaukee, well, first of all, who's going anywhere today? But in this economy, right? Prior to this, it was like, well, if I need to go somewhere international, I want to fly straight and don't want to do it virtually, you just go to Chicago. And so I, I find so many benefits to being able to be um, in a small city while still having access to big city amenities. I mean, we do have Lake Michigan and we have an amazing arts and culture scene um, that is in progress, in route to thriving. Um, shameless plug, mm-hmm. you know, in, in part because of all of the work that's happening now. So I think that's what keeps me here, just knowing that my life looks different when I uproot it and do it somewhere else. And I think the quality of work that I do looks different if I go somewhere else. Do you think um, that having been here your whole life um, and now experiencing Milwaukee as an adult, that there was a like an evolving um, understanding of what makes a place feel like home? Like what makes Milwaukee feel like home as an adult in a way that maybe builds upon just like the very literal fact that you're from here, you know? I mean, I definitely think I've grown to love Milwaukee. 
um, as somebody who's lived here my whole life, I was definitely a black woman who felt like Milwaukee was a cesspool and like, get out, like the movie, get out, like get out, like you have to go. Um, so I've definitely grown to love Milwaukee. And I think for me, what's made me love it is all of the amazing mentors that I've had who've been able to pour into me. Um, I think knowing my mom will never go anywhere else. So I'm always kind of rooted in Milwaukee. Um, and being able to experience, as an adult, you get to experience things differently than you get as a child. So being able to explore different parts of the city, um, back when the city was open, being able to go to art galleries and things like that. And um, it gives you an appreciation um, for Milwaukee. But I also think the people, too. I mean, we... People say if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And I just don't believe that. I think if you can make it in Milwaukee, you can make it anywhere. Because, I mean, it's, it's not that the systems don't exist. It's that the systems aren't connected. Mm. And if you can figure out the bridge to get from here to there, if you can have someone guide you in that direction. And those are the pieces I find that are often missing. Peace, people just aren't communicating and guiding folks. Merging the questions about early memories of art and your love of Milwaukee, tell us more about your love of Milwaukee art right now. You're a really passionate advocate for buying local and, in fact, moving into a new place. You're in the middle of it right now, so tell us a little bit more. Yeah, so when I decided to move, um, I just kind of had this idea of, you know, filling it with as much um, Milwaukee-based um, Black art as possible. And so at work and through Facebook and social media, people have been able to see some of the Black businesses I've been supporting just in general. But I am two payments away from my first original piece of artwork um, that's going to go in the bedroom. And I have to say, that never would have happened if I didn't work for Imagine MKE. Mm. Um, my work is rooted in musicians and music. Um, and so, you know, having access to, to Milwaukee-based artists, visual artists, I just didn't know that this scene was thriving and so vast. Like, it, there's so many amazing artists in Milwaukee, visual artists. Um, but then having talks with Della. And so the toolkit that we made in the office about, you know, is this your first time in an art gallery? You can make payment arrangements. Like, that was, like, really? Okay. And so I tried it out and the artist was like, absolutely. And so I've been making payments um, since June. Um, like I said, I'm two payments away from um, having my first original art piece of artwork and am looking forward to uh, buying more original pieces um, that I believe are going to grow in value. Um, but I think the cool part about buying Milwaukee based is that I know that that money is helping someone stay in business a little bit longer and if more people can invest that way then you know we get to to help folks um live their dream for another day and I think there's something really cool about that I love it do you want to share the artist whose piece you bought shout them out yeah so it's embellished by Dilly so that's mm. her her company but I, I want to I'm gonna just say on your podcast I'm looking at a Ken Brown piece I'm looking at a Rosalia um, Hernandez Singh piece. I'm looking at an Anna Rose piece. Um, and 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many artists who I've gotten to see really through our gallery nights. Um, so while I'm working, mm -hmm. I am also mentally eyeing pieces and sending screenshots of things to buy later. So I have kind of a, a mental Pinterest board of art. So yeah, <laughs> so, so it's really cool. And like I said, that's, that, that is directly connected to my work here at Imagine. That just, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have happened any other way because I didn't think that that was accessible to me. Well, thanks for coming on and sharing more about your background. Sometime I'll have you back and we'll focus on the more future-oriented Arts Forward MKE questions. But thanks so much, Kanita. Thanks, Lindsay, for having me. I have with me here Esteban Contreras, our new Public Allies Fellow uh, for this year. Thank you for being here today, Esteban. Hey, Lindsay, thanks for having me. Um, so since you're new to the team, I thought this would be a great opportunity to introduce you and a little bit of your background to our world, to our audience. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more if you have an early memory of the arts that really stuck with you and impacted you. Yeah, of course. So I remember in 2005, the movie Rent had just come out. Uh, this also wasn't a blockbuster, it was a thing. So I was at Blockbuster with my sister and my dad. And I, I'm not really sure why. I think we must have seen a trailer for it. Um, and it must have been a little misleading. So we decided to rent that movie. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that because about halfway through the movie, my sister kind of comments that she's annoyed that they keep, they keep singing. And in my head, I was like, well, that's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like halfway through, she decides that um, it's not really a good movie for us to watch. Um, so she turns it off. And I didn't argue at the time because I maybe didn't want to seem like nerdy or whatever it was that I was trying to avoid. But later that night, I actually took that movie and I put it in my little portable DVD player. And I watched it by myself in my room. And I, I was just so amazed. And I remember feeling like, well, first of all, at 10 years old, I, I had no idea what it really was about. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I didn't know about HIV. I didn't know about drug use and all the, all the themes that were going on. But I was just so amazed by the storytelling through the music and lyrics and just the chemistry that the cast members had. And I also remember being really struck by Angel's character because at the beginning of the film, Angel is male presenting. Mm -hmm. um, and then later on, when they're introduced to everyone, suddenly they're wearing women's clothes. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of the first time that I saw that in a, in a film where it wasn't a joke, mm -hmm. you know, like nobody mentioned it. It, it, it just, Angel was just there. And I thought it was, that was very beautiful. But that, that moment really kind of informed the rest of my musical experience. In high school, I was um, an orchestra major at Milwaukee High School of the Arts. And as part of that, everyone in the orchestra had to be in the pit for musicals. Mm -hmm. So then that, that love kind of grew more. And then later on, taking uh, AP music theory and learning kind of how to sing and like the basics of singing. And then later joining a choir outside of high school. And overall, like watching Rent as a child really opened up so many musical, musical experiences for me. Um, mm -hmm. And it like helped find a, a, a community of other people who share the same interests as me. I love that. Thank you. So you mentioned that you went to Milwaukee School of the Arts. So you're from Milwaukee. Tell us a little bit more about your origin, 
of uh, coming to Milwaukee if you're not originally from here um, and uh, what's kept you around? So I am not from Milwaukee originally. So my parents were both born and raised in different parts of Mexico and they met and got married in Los Angeles, California. Um, and that's where my sister and I were born. But even as it is now, living in LA is very expensive. And they kind of found themselves in a place where it wasn't sustainable. You know, it was like paycheck to paycheck and thinking about the future of their family. Um, and then during that time, my father was also in a nursing program. So I don't think uh, he was able to work too much during that time. Mm. But earlier in the 90s, um, his brother, my uncle, was already living in Milwaukee because his wife had family here. Um, so later on in 1999, my uncle was like, hey, you know, there's there's medical jobs here with better pay. Mm. Um, there's more affordable housing in Milwaukee. And so it really was the best move that we could make. So that, that year in October, um, the four of us packed our, our minivan and we moved to Milwaukee. Um, and we've stayed here ever since. So the four of us are still here. Mm. Uh, my sister met her husband here. My parents are thriving. <laughs> I would say I'm thriving. So um, yeah, we, we suck it out and we love it. If I can add a bit of a bonus question, I didn't, didn't prep you for. So uh, <laughs> feel free to share whatever comes to mind. But before you came into Imagine, what did you know about Milwaukee's arts and culture sector? And maybe what's something that you uh, look forward to learning a bit more about? Before joining Imagine, um, I actually did work at the Milwaukee Art Museum for um, a few years. And that, I, I think that really was kind of the extent of my knowledge in the art and cultural world in Milwaukee. I had friends who did like, who do music and who have their own studios. So that my, and those friends came from the art museum. So my knowledge of it really was by my coworkers and kind of like what they were up to. Mm -hmm. and what the museum was up to. And for a while, I really was like, well, the Milwaukee Art Museum is kind of like the center of, of the art world in Milwaukee. And that was just because of my exposure to it and how involved I was in it. Sure. But since joining Imagine and since leaving the art museum, I've, I've really seen that that is not true at all. There's so much going on in several neighborhoods, so many studios, so many opportunities to showcase your art and music especially. So since leaving the Milwaukee Art Museum and joining Imagine, um, I've really been more interested in learning about how these small pockets of arts and culture organizations in Milwaukee can become more supported, more prevalent, and how we as a community, how the Milwaukee community can come together to help elevate those organizations um, in doing that. Great. Well, we're really glad to have you here doing the work, Esteban. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, I am now joined by Lindsay Sheridan, Director of Marketing and PR here at Imagine MKE. How are you doing, Lindsay? I'm good. Thanks for taking the time to talk today. Yeah, thanks for allowing me to take over your podcast for you for a bit. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's been a really fun episode. And to finish it up, I'm going to ask if you remember a time early in life where you experienced art in a way that was deeply impactful. So... I was very fortunate to have artistic experiences in a variety of mediums growing up. So some dance lessons, some theater experiences, some piano lessons. But the one that, that is standing out to me right now was in fourth grade. 
when you start to think about what you're going to do in fifth grade and how you can <laughs> sign up for orchestra for the first time. I remember going to whatever this little room, like gathering room that we had, like an auditorium style thing at my elementary school and kind of having in a, in a large group and getting a preview of the string instruments that we could choose from and not knowing a thing, not knowing mm-hmm. a thing about, about string instruments really, but hearing all the, all of them sampled and like my gut reaction being that the violins were just too high and too shrieky and that the cellos too low, like didn't seem very appealing for some reason, um, but that the violas felt just right. And so I ended up choosing that instrument and I had no idea and neither did my parents that that was like a pretty smart instrument to choose all mm-hmm. things considered. There are never as many violas. There are more opportunities when you're auditioning for things. Um, and violas are kind of a quirky bunch, a little bit of a different different brand in the orchestra um, in, in, in terms of like instrument personality assumptions. But I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, but that set me on a path that I could audition for things like youth orchestra and, and get in and audition for college and get a scholarship on viola and find a real sense of community amongst my fellow violists in college orchestra who famously were super tight. Like we would have a lot of, we would have a lot of hangs and, and made matching t-shirts and just, you know, we're extremely tight compared to the other sections. So that's a memory that's coming to mind. Just that totally unbeknownst to me, like moment of fate in making that decision as a kid allowing me to set up for for a future in in music and in the arts and whatnot yeah definitely and I share that past experience with you of of needing to pick a string instrument without even knowing anything about them yeah um but I was a bit unlucky that I picked the violin so (laughs) (laughs) I applaud you in your choice (laughs) (laughs) so Lindsay I know you're not from Milwaukee but can you share with the listeners a little bit about your journey to Milwaukee and kind of what keeps you around here so I grew up in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, which is a suburb of Madison, not too far, obviously. Um, but I was actually, I was born in Waukesha, basically. Um, that's where my parents were living at the time. Um, and my mom had grown up uh, on the north side of Milwaukee, going to like Catholic school in the 50s and 60s. Um, her parents worked for a telephone company. Um, so she has deep, like Milwaukee city origins. Um, but we had ended up moving away to the suburbs of Madison for my dad's job growing up. Um, and then my mom was always interested in moving back to the Milwaukee area and they made that move while I was in college. Um, so during during college then like coming to Milwaukee was was like coming home to my parents and we have always had extended family in the area so I would grow up coming to visit Milwaukee as well um so in that transition period of life after college I lived in Milwaukee for a few months while I was job hunting um ended up moving away was just was just looking for openings right mm-hmm. <laughs> thought you know Milwaukee's pretty cool I could stay but was more interested in like what were the arts and job openings out there that seemed like what I wanted to do 
And so those opportunities took me, took me away for a while. I went to Ohio, went to DC, I went to Baltimore. Um, but when I, but I would visit Milwaukee frequently, Mm -hmm. um, not only to see my parents, but also en route to some work I was doing with a music series in Iowa. Um, so always really was struck by Milwaukee and thought, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be back here from someday. (laughs) And that's when the job opportunity to imagine came along. Um, so I'm grateful that I had some of that grounding, you know, obviously I wasn't like born and raised here, so I, I don't have that, that deep history, but I'm grateful that I didn't come in totally cold that I had, you know, growing up come here often and had had a few months here to acclimate and explore a little bit more so that coming in to imagine had the lay of the land a bit, understood the depth of the, of the arts community a bit. And that was that. Now I've been here, well, like a year and a half almost. Wow. Not too long at all. Not too long. And a weird year and a half add to that. (laughs) Is there something that comes to mind that Milwaukee has that other cities you've lived in don't have? I think there's a lot of pride in being rooted here, in this being home. I think people feel this as strongly their home in a way that D.C. does not for many people that decide to move there. The lake is really grounding as well. And like the fact that we have this feeling that in a whole lot of regards that Milwaukee is something of a hidden gem that we, yeah. that, that like people that live here feel like it has so many elements that make for a good life, but that we don't want to share that with people. And that we also don't want to share that we have like deep problems in other regards. So we're kind of just like Milwaukee feels under the radar in some ways. And I think, um, Right before this, I lived in Baltimore, which reminds me of Milwaukee in a lot of ways, but that like Milwaukee is a community of people that are going to get up and try and do something about it. Mm. (laughs) Like case in point, imagine that like we're, we're, we're pragmatic. I guess that's like a, Mm. you know, pragmatic Midwestern thing. We're going to try and create solution and change. And I appreciate that. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing, Lindsay. That was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe by searching Arts Forward MKE on your favorite listening platform or go to imaginemke.org slash podcasts. Also be sure to check out our other two podcasts, Imagine This Podcast and Black Imagination and follow us on social on Facebook as Imagine MKE and on Instagram and Twitter as at Imagine underscore MKE. Be well, friends. <laughs>